This is the Bill Kelly Show podcast. We are on the road once again, and we're completing the trifecta. This is the third of the uh, Mohawk campuses. Uh, we broadcast, of course, from the Fennel campus. We've been from the Stony Creek campus uh, just a few months ago, and now we are at McMaster University campus of Mohawk College. Oh, you didn't know it was here? Well, you're going to hear a story today. It's been here for quite some time, and it's a great success story. Uh, we're going to introduce you to an awful lot of people as we uh, introduce you to the Healthcare Simulation Lab. Now, we did a story about this. Remember Ron McCurley, the president of Mohawk, was on our program uh, some time ago and made the announcement about this fabulous new initiative and the government funding for it, too, by the way, uh, to get this up and running. And uh, this is an ongoing program, of course. Uh, this facility and this uh, uh, this uh, campus has been here for quite some time, but there's some new and innovative things, some groundbreaking things that are happening at this campus, and you're going to hear those stories over the next few hours here on the show. I look forward to a number of guests that are going to join us. But uh, to give you any idea as to what we're here for and what we're going to be talking about, I want to introduce you to, I guess, really our two hosts, uh, Paul Armstrong, Vice President of Academics for Mohawk College. It's good to see you again, Paul. Thanks very much, Bill. You get around. I see that every time we do a show in Mohawk, you're this campus, that campus. But there's a lot to be talking about here, too. And uh, Laurie Kozayal, who is the uh, Dean of the School of Health Sciences, uh, and welcome. And thanks for inviting us to your house today. Thank you for attending. It's let's, very much a pleasure to have you. Let's talk a little bit, Paul. We'll start with you about exactly what's going on here. This, uh, as I say, is an exciting new twist to the programs that have been going on at Mohawk, but you guys have been here for a while. Yeah, so Mohawk has uh, existed in this facility since uh, 2000. It was a purpose-built, so the McMaster Institute for Applied Health Sciences was purpose-built to uh, house the Mohawk College Health Science programs as well as the McMaster School of Rehabilitation Sciences. and. We were both in rental facilities back and before that, so it was an opportunity for us to move and collaborate, and the idea was to come onto the McMaster campus, partner with them, and see what opportunities would be, um, you know, would come out of us working together and being in the same location. And uh, so over the last 17 years, we've continued to build on our strengths, uh, core to us, which were in the nursing and medical imaging, but a lot of new programs have developed and a couple of new partnerships with McMaster which really were the intent of why we're working here together so it's it's been a long time but we're happy to continue to grow and evolve at this location physically on the uh, campus you're uh, right where well this used to be St. Mary's High School the, I mean it's a whole new building but but the site uh, well I guess it actually was the old Hamilton Teachers College way yes. back when but you two are way too young to remember that <laughs> but uh, so that's if in your mind's eye if you want to place exactly where this is on campus right now but uh, the, the partnership that Paul talked about, Laurie, with McMaster is, is, again, that's something that's new. This has been going on for quite some time, this collaboration. Absolutely. The collaboration started in the 90s, um, looking at opportunities to collaborate, opportunities to partner in programming. But uh, then the catalyst was this building, getting all of these health science students together on one campus, uh, sharing resources rather than duplicating resources, finding efficiencies, um, and quality. Yeah, what's interesting about this, I think you and I had this discussion, Paul, when we were back up at the Fennel campus some months ago. Uh, back in the day when you graduated from high school, a lot of students had the, uh, that's by the way, somebody opening a door they're not supposed to open. Uh, <laughs> Paul just reassured me, I don't have to go running for the exits here. Uh, that noise you're hearing in the background, and I'm sure they'll have it turned off by noon when we finish here. <laughs> it's not irritating at all. But, but back in those days, students, when they finished high school or graduation, would say, well, I'm either going to go to university or to, or to college, or to community college. Uh, it's interesting when you look at the dynamic that's going on these days. In a lot of cases, you're going to go to both uh, because of the interaction that goes on between these two facilities. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we have students that come in all different directions. So traditionally it was people would come to college and maybe look at enhancing their career through a university education, you know, post-college experience. But now, especially on this campus with a couple of the postgraduate programs we have, uh, a lot of students going the other way. So just like we talked about with a lot of programs, 30% of our, our students are university graduates, and that's uh, no exception here. But I think the unique thing uh, at this campus is that the nature of the integrated program. So in both nursing and medical imaging, uh, in those three streams, students are coming into a core program that is completely integrated from beginning to end. So we have you know, college students going to university, we have university students coming to college, and then we have students going through uh, collectively through the college university experience, all in this location. It's, I think, one of the great breakthroughs that's happened in education. I mean, things used to happen in silos where, you know, the university had their programs, the colleges had theirs, and, and, and maybe you'd get your degree or vice versa, get your, your, your certificate and your diploma, and then you'd think, okay, what else can I can do? But uh, credit to the university, to McMaster and to Mohawk anyway, who uh, in their, their vision, I guess, years ago understood that, look, at there's already cross-sectional places in these two programs. Why not simply run an integrated program? I mean, you're physically on this campus, but, but this partnership started long before that. It did. So actually, the very first Mohawk-McMaster collaboration, collaboration, believe it or not, was back in the late 70s and early 80s, and it was around radiology training for northern communities, and it was a partnership with McMaster and uh, Mohawk, and it was totally unique where they were training sort of limited scope um, individuals in the nursing stations to support people not having to leave the communities. Uh, and then from there it evolved. We got a bit of a jump start with uh, the mandate to move nursing education. But a lot of colleges and universities were sort of shotgunned together where they, you know, they did the college experience, then they went to the university, mm -hmm. they had trouble finding partners. McMaster was an extremely willing and, and gracious host and partner with us right from the beginning. And then being on the campus, that led to the opportunity to offer the integrated medical imaging programs, which then helped lead to collaborations in technology. And then just in the last year or so, some new collaborations in the area of clinical neuroscience. So we have now 10 completely integrated programs across three different faculties at McMaster. So we're we're pretty fortunate that we have a world-class university and a world-class college and a willingness to, to work together and build on each other's strengths. We're very fortunate on that front. And I know there are some people that say, well, there's an awful lot of waste that goes on in bureaucracy and education and in other facets too, Laurie. But this is a great example of, of looking for efficiencies and saying, look, at, why replicate something that's already in existence right now? Why don't we just share facilities, uh, share resources, and, and share knowledge and, and the students are the ones who benefit. Absolutely, uh, and you can see that in in the programming, in um, our resources, as in labs, library, uh, support, academic advising, it, it, it really is a collaboration. And so we've got some traditional integrated programs which are very successful as all of the health science programs are, uh, but there's new ones, new, new, new things in the works. Paul referred to a couple of them, but in some programs in social science or applied science, if you take uh, six of our courses rather than the electives, when you graduate, graduate on top of your degree, you have a certificate or a mini diploma with a, with a skill set. So autism is the, the latest one, but there's one in business, and, and these are very, very sought after. The students find them very lucrative. The, the, the credo of community colleges, when Bill Davis started this whole program in Ontario way back in the 19, late 60s, I guess it was, really, Paul, 
uh, was to have that interaction and hands-on learning and learning from people that are doing that for a living already. Uh, It wasn't just uh, theory. There there was practice involved in this. Uh, That whole idea, that whole concept lends itself so easily to, to healthcare, doesn't it? Absolutely. So the the whole idea of the application of learning, and uh, today your you know what we're celebrating is sort of the latest in in how we simulate experiences and how we create real life learning opportunities for students. But in the healthcare field, it's it's back even when I was a student 30 years ago. We were you know doing very rudimentary simulation based learning where we were um, you know working on each other and working on other students and simulating what a clinical environment would look like here on the campus. So. The application of learning, the ability to translate that that knowledge into application, which is then going to improve patient outcomes, it's it's very it's fundamental to good health practitioners, and uh, and that's not just at the college at the college level. I mean, the university, the professional programs have been, you know, using that whole you know the problem-based learning approach for medical education, finding a problem, simulating, and applying the knowledge. It's fundamentally important in all areas of health health education. I can remember talking with somebody who was in the nursing field many, many years ago, and and, and she was telling me that, you know, one of the early programs, learning how to to use a hypodermic, and they injected into an orange. That's all they had. (laughs) I mean, there weren't a whole lot of resources. And contrast that now, Laurie, with with what you've got in this facility when it comes to, to simulation. Yes. So what, what you're describing is what we call low-fidelity simulation, <laughs> so and we still use that where it's appropriate to use it. What has really advanced uh, simulation is technology and the capability of technology. So um, in, in some programs, we, we actually have the equipment that is used out in the field, and students practice on each other using the equipment, not necessarily injecting hypodermic needles, uh, but could be doing ECGs, doing um, Holter monitoring um, in the OTA-PTA program, assisting with the, the patient lifts and transfers, and actually students teaching other students their area of expertise. Um, probably the, the best examples we have of high fidelity simulation are in our ultrasound lab and in our nursing lab where we have these mannequins that it's only because of technology that we're even able to provide this type of opportunity for the students. I'm looking forward to talking with that. We are going to uh, to delve into that a little bit later on in the program today too. But but how far have you come with those programs and the services that you can offer to students uh, that it, you know, there, there was a day not too long ago where you say, okay, you know what, we're going down to Hamilton General today, or we're going to go over to so, and you get, you can look at this. You can't really touch it because there's only one of these in the city, but you can see how it works. Now, this is hands-on. Here, we have one of these here, or we have a simulator of what you're going to be using, and, and you can actually get hands-on experience now. Absolutely. And the students, I mean, it's the beauty of having it in the program is that it provides them a learning environment. They can make mistakes, and it's not impacting patient outcomes and they can learn from their mistakes and they can learn with and from each other so it, it truly has taken it to the next level I was excited uh, when you guys made the announcement Paul about about this healthcare simulation lab and and I know that you tried to explain it to me and Ron McCurley tried to explain it to me but but to actually to hear what's going on here and to see the, the kinds of, of materials that are available to students right now this is uh, this is the the quintessential example of, of, of community college and hands-on experience. It is it absolutely. So we, 
you know, we're, we're celebrating sort of one area of the facility, but uh, this entire building, which is almost 200,000 square feet, is really one, and, our, and, and Lori's vision and the team's vision has been to create almost one completely integrated lab so that when you walk in the front doors of the building, it feels like you're coming into a, a large healthcare facility. So, uh, you know... It physically looks like it. It, it does. And, Even and, with a coffee shop. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and, and a long line. And the lineups to, pro- yeah, yeah. to prove how busy we are, but... You know, everything from down in the basement where, you know, evolving space that was used previously for uh, ultrasound labs into research centers of excellence. But the main area, which are just off to your right there, the first, the, the, this floor and then the floor ablo- above, are completely integrated. So we have nursing uh, simulation areas. We have what looks like traditional hospital wards. We have what looks like private rooms. We have apartments uh, built in where we're, you know, simulating how our healthcare professional is going to be supporting people in their home. We have cardiac labs. We have ultrasound labs, and they're all integrated into the same physical environment, which Lori just mentioned a bit about, and you'll hear more about later. Is learning the skills and applying it is inc- extremely important. But working as part of a team and being interprofessional, simulation allows that type of learning to occur in a way that it, it could, but not to the same level. Well, it's it's akin to somebody who was explaining to me the other day. It's a, it's like when they train the astronauts to go into space. They train them in, in a, a simulator that looks just like the space vehicle. It's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it's on Earth instead of being up there in the sky. And and you you're presenting that same experience to the students here. Absolutely. That and. It's, it's inter- interesting. We've seen the evolution, but when the students come into the program, all they know is what they're seeing here and yeah. what they've learned, and uh, they run with it. They absolutely run with it. And part of, it is to improve patient outcomes. It is to improve the experiential learning beyond just the skills aspect. But it's also, um, you know, pressures on our, our clinical partners that provide placements. They're being strapped too, right? They're doing more patients and, and funding's an issue. They have less time to spend with our students. So we've really stepped it up and t- to prepare the students so that when they get there, they hit the ground running, they're ready to embrace that full experience. But that's all part of the experience with community colleges. And, and, and to their credit, the, what the master's done too, uh, is reaching out to those those private sector partners, and in this case, public sector partners with hospitals. Uh, this doesn't happen without their collaboration and their support. Right. Yeah, even still, I mean, so the, the clinical experience is fundamentally important still to this day, but as Lori mentioned, you know, the pressure on them, you know, and there are experiences that we want students to be able to be competent in before they get to the clinical environment so that they can go out and they can, you know, be a resource right from the day they, they get there. Uh, so, yeah, so the clinical experience is still fundamentally important, but this is how do we better prepare the students to be ready for that so they can then maximize that opportunity. And you're right, it is with uh, a lot of our, our partners on the clinical side are publicly funded, but we also do work with a number of private uh, health care facilities, uh, you know, that are also providing extremely high-quality health care services in our community. Well, they're looking for staff, too. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they want to know that they can tap into this resource here and say, I know they're going to be ready because I know how they've been trained. They, they, they do, and you know, if, just as a, a small indication of the commitment they make, we have a whole bunch of our clinical education leaders from hospitals and clinics from all over Ontario meeting here today as part of their support of the program and understanding how they're going to support and, under, and, and, and allow students to reach their maximum potential when they get to them. I love, as you mentioned, the, the physical environment of this place, though, and how it is, in so many ways, uh, a replica of, of a hospital environment. I've, 
uh, right through those doors. It looks like a nursing station. <laughs> I, I felt like I had to give my health card to go past there, you know. <laughs> but but it, I, it creates that environment, so it, you know they understand that. And the, the transition from this learning environment to a real environment like this is is going to be something that's easy for them to make, obviously, because they've already they're used to this 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 physicality to what they see and what they do. Yes, and there many aspects go into it. So when students are in their lab environment, they're wearing a uniform, a scrub, and mm-hmm. and the programs are color-coded. So for lots of reasons, A, they have an identity, B, they're easily recognizable. If someone is where is where they shouldn't be, we can, you know, take care of that situation. But um, it is a professional environment. The minute they put that on and they're in that lab, the expectations are for professional behavior, you know. We're going to spend some time uh, through the course of the program today talking with some of the people involved in the programs, teaching the programs, uh, about the simulation lab and uh, so many various aspects of this, too. It's a phenomenal uh, program that uh, that really the city needs to be proud of. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. From the McMaster campus of Mohawk College, uh, this is the healthcare simulation lab, but there's so much more that's happening here in this facility at uh, Mohawk College. Uh, Laurie Kozial, uh, the uh, Dean of uh, School for the Health Sciences, is still with us. Uh, but we also want to bring in a, a few other folks that are involved uh, in this program right now. Uh, Monica Rupra is here. Uh, first of all, great to have you here. Just moving right into the microphone here. Morning. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Great. Great to have you here. Maria Malik. Uh, hi. Good to have you here. Hey, you as well. And uh, Kenneth Zito is also with us. Hi, Ken. How are you doing today? Good morning. Great. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit. I'll start with you, Kenneth. Uh, you are in diagnostic cardiac, cardiac sonography. Yes, correct. Uh, what's that? Um, well, uh, there's a short form is basically ultrasound at the heart. Um, ah, okay. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about what you do here and what this program offers to you and what this facility offers to you. Um, <laughs> How'd you get into it in the first place? Well, in the first, I did an undergrad in, uh, in kinesiology. And, okay. Um, just like every other student, um, after graduation, I wanted to, you know, try to make something of it. So I worked in the clinic, and the clinic offered uh, services to patients for ultrasound, and that was kind of uh, one of the um, services that I couldn't do because it was a regulated um, and specific uh, profession. So I looked into it, and I found uh, Mohawk College. But but you are you specializing in, in in cardiac stuff? Yes, yes. What led you toward that? That's that's a bit of a, d- a jump from kinesiology, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I I did stress testing. So I uh, looked after people with heart disease in, in the in the beginning, and I did rehab with them. And um, I wanted to, to learn more about the heart, so that's why uh, I looked into more cardiac-based healthcare. We were talking about this before we got on with this segment too. That this happens an awful lot, where you start going into one discipline and start learning it, and you learn something about it, and you say, "Wait, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. I think I may want to go down this road." Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and that's what happened to you, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. What What about your situation, Maria? Yeah, so I am fresh out of high school, so my program is actually three years. It's a MOMAC program, so it's merged with uh, McMaster University and Mohawk College. Um, In short, (laughs) x-ray. In long form, uh, we do emergency patients, we do ORs, portables. Um, We're pretty much all around the hospitals. You'll see us everywhere. So uh, what led you into this now, into healthcare? Why did you decide, okay, I'll finish school now, or high school anyway, and this is what I want to get into? Yeah, so I've always wanted healthcare. Um, I've always wanted to be in the hospital, helping patients. Um, 
but specifically I wanted a merge of college and university, university studying, but then college actually putting hands-on experience and practical experience, um, which bumped me into this program. Uh, yeah. How many times have you been x-rayed? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Because I consider myself an expert since I've been on the table so many times. But it's it's a fabulous field. It's inc it's really intriguing. Yeah, it's always growing and expanding. Um, we're always everywhere. Where you can catch us in the OR, you can catch us with joint injections, steroids, um, and then just general patients around the hospital. All right, let me ask Monica about uh, what got you here. Now you're you're from Stony Creek, so you're you're this is your backyard. You're just cr coming across <laughs> town now. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Orchard Park actually. Okay, so. all right. Um, after high school, I went and did my undergrad in health sciences, and then I wanted something more clinical, more practical, so this program seemed like the best fit. I'm in cardiovascular technology. I'm also in my second year now, so I've had the experience of going on clinical as well as working in the labs and being simulated as a patient. I'm going to ask you about that in a second, but did, did you always have this uh, this desire to get into healthcare too, or even back in the uh, Orchard Park days? Yes. I, if you ask any of my high school teachers, I definitely wanted to go the route of healthcare. Um, didn't know I would end up here, but definitely glad where I am at the moment. Because there's so many different fields to it and so many different facets to it. When you say healthcare, I mean, I mean, if you're playing, you know, imaging, now most people think, oh, you want to be a doctor or a nurse or something like this. But the clinical aspect of this is, is just mind-boggling, the number of positions and the number of disciplines and, and the number of opportunities, really. Of course, there's many opportunities. Like Ken and Maria said, like depending on what program you end up, you have a lot of different doors open to you. Now, the, t the technical term I've seen here is cardiovascular technology. Now, so you, you again are leading to, towards cardiac uh, elements. Of the, is that something that you picked up as, as you were going through your training, or uh, when you got your undergrad? There's something that definitely that I piqued my interest in undergrad. I took on numerous numerous uh, anatomy and physiology courses, which led me to believe the heart is something that's very important. Well, more and more of us need to learn that sort of thing. Laurie, this is a, a great example, I think, of, uh, of, of exactly how this college is looking towards the needs. Uh, and there are a couple of different things that we want to talk about here, especially when you start getting into cardiac and cardiology and the number of things that are going on like this. And uh, this goes hand in hand with the number of stories that we talk about, about, uh, about heart disease, uh, about physical fitness, etc., and about looking after ourselves and, and dealing with a number of issues like this. And uh, it's, it's a, a rather frightening enterprise, but the, the, the science and the technology that's available right now that, uh, that all three of our guests here are starting to pick up and is, is really encouraging that, uh, that there's an awful lot of work going on in, in ways to try to avoid things like heart disease, heart attacks, and things of that nature. Absolutely. Um, Mohawk is the only diagnostic cardiac sonography standalone program in the country. And we produce 40 graduates a year, and uh, they do very well. They try, And we, we supply the country, basically. Uh, cardiovascular technology, we have a stellar program. Both programs just re recently underwent program accreditation very successfully. Um, How does that happen? What's that process like? The program accreditation yeah, process? Yeah. It's like... It's it's an external audit, and you are there are requirements to be met, and the onus is on the program to provide the evidence that we are doing what we say we're doing and meeting these requirements. Uh, the is this the ministry that uh, does the evaluation? It's the profession that requires ah, it. Ah, even better. Yeah, the profession requires program accreditation, and we, we are compliant with that. Okay. Uh, you mentioned uh, a second ago, Monica, that one of the things that you do is uh, you're, you're kind of a full patient from time to time? Yes. Yeah, so Give me that. <laughs> I love this idea. Because uh, you're acting, really, aren't you? Yeah, so as a 
student, um, first off, we don't start on real patients right away. We ourselves, one pa so we usually work in groups of three or two. One student usually becomes the patient and one is the technician. So we take on the role of being the patient. Say we are doing a stress test. We might be a patient who's going to have an MI while going on the stress test or um, shortness of breath. So we're, we are acting. So you've got a script. <laughs> we have a little bit of a script usually, yes. <laughs> and you got it just like an actor. You have to prepare for the role. I'm going to be the grumpy patient. I'm, I'm going to be the patient that has chest pains. Or yep. <laughs> I'm going to be the patient that gives up after 30 seconds. And, and it's up to the other one who's obviously putting the test on to, to respond to it. Now, they don't know what you're going to do. Though. No, they don't. So they they might have a little inkling, okay, this is week we're doing this. But for the most part, it's kind of a surprise what the patient is going to be acting as. Do you enjoy that? It's a great way to learn. It's a great way to learn what the patient also might be feeling as well. So it gives you a good example of what to do as a technician, as but as well as how the patient is feeling at that time. So uh, do you guys get involved with that? Do, they, do you guys have programs like that too, Ken, where, where you're actually dealing hands-on with somebody uh, who, who is actually simulating a, a certain response? Yeah, actually we do. Um, and it's always different every single time. And it's very close to what we actually see in clinicals. Uh, one of the famous ones are, is, uh, I really have to use the washroom like right now. <laughs> and, like, what are you supposed to do when you're almost done? And, like, you know, it's kind of a dilemma of do you continue on or do you let the patient go off and spend 30 minutes in the washroom? All right, spoiler alert, Ken, what do you tell them? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't tell me. <laughs> Uh, but it, it, it's real, though, isn't it? It's 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 all, it's out of the theory and into the practicality of exactly what could actually happen. Yeah, absolutely. And Mohawk College, you know, prepares us that very well because they run through scenarios of what could happen and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. So. Um, so have you been the patient too? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm I'm actually always the patient. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the Oscar goes too. You know? <laughs> This, I love this aspect of it, though. This is just sensational because it gives you that sort of training. Uh, and, and I guess, Maria, what it does is it gives you that self-confidence that when you, you actually do move into real-life situations, th there's a little element of been there, done that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for our program, we kind of have to uh, pretend that we don't know anything. If we're the patient, um, we just got to go with the flow. We get our, like, you know, mini script on. Um, but for sure, so once you're in clinical, you have that sort of experience. You know that what patients are like, um, how to deal with certain patients. Um, but then there's that also a moment of surprise, right? When you're in the hospital, you wouldn't know how a patient reacts. You wouldn't know... Um, what sort of measures they're going to pull on you. It's always different, right? We can act out patient simulations. We can be patients. But until you get into the clinical and real world, you don't really know what you're dealing with. So. Well, the difference here, and if somebody who's been a patient, I've never been on your side of the of the desk, but, I mean, I've been on the other side or on the, uh, the table for radiology or, or stress tests and things like that, uh, we don't always cooperate. Uh, and we're not always really good patients, and, and we don't always follow the rules. I mean, you guys know that. I mean, I'm sure that it says that in a textbook someplace, uh, you know, Monica, that, uh, that you know, you might expect this. But to actually face it first down, well, did you take your meds today? No, I didn't. Oh, geez, well, do I go on with the test then? Uh, did you fast if you're doing something? No, I didn't, as a matter of fact. I had, uh, had bacon and eggs for breakfast this morning. Uh, you, th th the whole thing about healthcare is you've got to be ready to... to, to to deal with the curveballs that are going to get tossed at you pretty much on a daily basis. So a lot of what we learned on how to adapt, we learned, or at least I learned through clinical experience. So where we got to go off for a couple months and um, actually um, 
basically observe for the first couple of weeks at a hospital and see what the role of a CBT actually does and then slowly, slowly be introduced on how to do procedures and stuff based on that hospital standards. So a lot of like how to adapt to a patient, say, not taking their meds or so forth. I learned how to handle by watching others. And, and, and in that situation, then, you, you get that idea of, of, of hands-on and, and, uh, technique and, and, and seeing how the, the professionals handle this. What about mentorship, Ken? I mean, you, you deal not just uh, in this academic setting here, as, as wonderful as it is, is, but you also have the opportunity to, to mingle and to talk and to interact with the people that are actually doing this on a daily basis. How important is that? Uh, that's very important um, as a fresh graduate to have the opinions and the um, just asking people that's been in the field for you know a while, they've gone through you know the first couple of years, you know what you're going to be expecting and how um, what to do to uh, overcome these um, these hurdles um, is uh, it's a it's very valuable to speak to your elders. Do you get just a, a little bit apprehensive sometimes, uh, Maria, when when you're doing this? I mean, we're you dealing with. Healthcare is a wonderful field, and we can talk about some of the great techniques and advancements that have happened. But you're dealing with people's lives here, ultimately, uh, and and you know these these could be life-altering situations like that. This is a rather daunting task and a and a huge responsibility. There's there's a, a that hanging over you as you decide this is what you want to do. But then when you start dealing with hands-on and with patients, et cetera, and actually talking to people and getting to know a little bit about them, it really kind of, I guess, brings it home as to just what important stuff you guys are doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I deal with a lot of trauma cases and OR surgeries. Um, so our patients' lives are always on our hands. We have to obviously abide by the surgeon. Um, we got to know when to position a patient correctly um, because the slightest movement can break the person's leg or um, arm. So we always have to be aware of that. But at the end of the day, yeah, you're right. The take-home point is that we are, in fact, saving the lives. If not directly, we are helping the radi radiologist diagnose um, the disease or pathology that the patient has, um, which in the end actually does benefit the patient. Um, with actually, for some of the OR procedures, there is one specific one. There is um, the esophageal dilatation. So when I was in clinical placement, uh, we did this surgery where a patient had a tumor around his esophagus um, and it restricted them from eating and they were in, they had a bag just to feed them. Um, but with the guided fluoroscopy, so real-time imaging, we are able to dilate the esophagus and open up the diameter so the patient could end up eating again, which is always rewarding at the end of the day. Well, that's the thing we don't often talk about uh, with healthcare, and, and we need to, I think, tell those stories too uh, about the victories. And, 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 and I know how testing it can be from time to time and how frustrating it can be and stressful, I guess, dealing with all that you guys are doing on a daily basis and what you're going to continue to do in your careers. But there's got to be one of those fist pump moments at the end of the day, like we nailed this one. Yeah, for sure. Um, a specific case for us was when uh, we had a patient come for a joint injection. And of course, he was frustrated. He was angry. Um, he, had, he had an amputated leg. So it, it just made matters worse. Um, but at the end of the day, after, he was pretty anxious about the injection. But at the end of the day, he got it. Um, and he actually came back just to thank us and to apologize how frustrated he was. But he, we're just like, yeah, we have this on a regular basis. We're always helping people out. But that's part of the, the, the deal, I guess, when you, when you look at what's going on here, Monica, is it, it's one thing to say, okay, uh, you've got a stress test uh, next Thursday. Okay, be here for 9 o'clock. 
but you also deal with people in crisis, uh, and and that's that's a whole different ballgame. I mean, you got people that are they're scared. They they don't know what's happening to them. They they're not sure what you can do for them. Uh, you know, the the blood pressure is rising, the intensity is rising, the stress is rising in situations like this, and and you've got to be the calming voice. You've got to be the the professional who's in charge. Yeah, the biggest and most important thing is to make sure the patient is calm, relaxed, and focused for whatever test they're going to be doing in the next. 10, 15, half an hour, whatever it is. Um, trying to calm a patient down is quite the challenge, but it's something you learn. It's something that takes time and practice, but it is definitely attainable. You do get used to how patients react to certain phrases or so forth, and everyone's different. So what, what works on one person might not work on someone else. So you're also learning about the human condition, Ken. It's, it's dealing with with people and their emotions, etc. Mm-hmm. There's it's it's not just public relations. It's uh, there's a there's a psychology that uh, that's going on here too, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like like she said, everyone acts differently, and you kind of gotta put on your best poker face when you're doing uh, a test because any sort of expression you may so, leak, you know. So nothing like bigger. whoa, I didn't expect that. Well, <laughs> bad. Yeah. That's bad. No, right? that, that's absolutely. You should not do that. Definitely not. <laughs> So, so your 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 demeanor is important then. I mean, your body language and, and and what you're sending, the messages I guess that you're sending, that's important in care too, isn't it? Yeah, that um, you know, ca- that comforts the patient to uh, to another extent, and uh, just to still let them keep their calm. Is Talk to me a little bit about this facility that, that you guys are working in right now, and 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 what it means to you to, to be working with this equipment and uh, and and the hands-on stuff, and and to have that availability of, of the equipment that uh, that that's basically you're going to be using when you go out into the into the, the the real world of healthcare. I mean, you're already integrated into it right now, but when you're doing this, it's not like okay, I read that in a textbook right now. I said no, you can go into there now, whether it's the McMaster or General or some other hospital, and say. I've used that. I know that machine. I know how it works. Yeah, believe it or not, um, what you read in the textbook doesn't always comply what's in real life. No uh, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so downstairs in the lab, we do have four different x-ray rooms. Um, it's very important to get your hands on and uh, play with the different manufacturers of the x-rays. Uh, just because all hospitals have different x-ray units, not everything's the same. So if we were to go first day of clinical, not know what a certain button means, I'm you know, it's a problem there, right? You need to know how to take an image. Um, the x-ray machines downstairs do us allow us to understand how to work the machines, how to make sure they're in the proper positions. Um, can't really learn everything from the textbook at the end of the day. Well, that's what the, the hands-on experience is so important for, too. Where do you see your, yourself going with, the, with what you're doing right now, Monica? Where do you see yourself in three, four, five years? Oh, my goodness, three, four, five years. <laughs> I can't even tell you what I'm doing next week. Um, <laughs> Ideally, I'd like to start working in as a CBT after my second round of placement, hopefully get hired on by the last placement I do. I know that happens quite often, so I hope to be working. That, that's kind of a cool <laughs> thing to know, though, isn't it, Ken, to know that, that when you're doing these placements, it's not like, oh, thanks a lot for coming out. Uh, bye now. We're going to go hire <laughs> somebody else now. They know you, and they, they, they this is really, when you do a placement like this, that, that's an audition for you to a certain extent, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. It's almost like a three-month interview, and they monitor and look at every single thing you do, and uh, at the end of the day, you kind of just hope you left a big enough impression that they like you and they want you to come back. Well, listen, uh, the healthcare field is in good hands if you guys are going to be the future of it. And I know you are because of the work that you're learning. Continued good luck in all of your endeavors and all the great work that you're doing. And thanks a lot for coming in today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank great you. Ca- great thank meeting you. all of you. Mm-hmm.
You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. At the McMaster campus of Mohawk College uh, for this uh, incredible facility, the Healthcare Simulation Lab is only a big part of this, but uh, only a, a part of this. There's so much more that's going on at this facility. And uh, as you heard in the first hour when we talked with Paul Armstrong, Vice President of Academics, and uh, with Lori Kosial uh, from uh, the Dean of Health Sciences, of course, at Mohawk College, uh, the collaboration and the, and the partnerships that go on are such a key part of this. And I want to spend a few minutes talking with some of the people that make that possible, of course. Uh, and that it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with the fact that, uh, that this facility, Mohawk College itself, is, of course, is located in a city where we have some of the best health care facilities, some of the most innovative health care facilities in the world and acknowledged as such, and also some of the most incredible and, uh, uh, I think, most respected uh, health care facilities uh, plus educational facilities. Of course, McMaster University, one of the top 100 universities in the world, again. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, Mohawk College uh, considered to be one of the leading community colleges in the country. And healthcare, it's it's just off the map, some of the great innovative things that are happening in healthcare in this city. So to that end, I want to bring uh, John Parker into the conversation. Uh, great to have you with us, John, from Hamilton Health Sciences. Thanks for making the time for us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank uh, you. Uh, to his radio uh, right is uh, Alan Neville, of course, uh, from McMaster University. Alan, great to have you with us today. You're welcome. And uh, also with us is uh, Minnie Doyle, the St. Joseph's representative, the fabulous St. Joseph's Healthcare Facility. Winnie, great to have you with us today. Pleasure to be here. Let me, John, if I could start with you and talk about the collaboration that goes on between universities, colleges, and and healthcare facilities here. Uh, this is this is more than just well. There's the educator. There are the potential uh, people that are going to hire them later on. There's a there's a real solid partnership that has developed in this community. Yes, I would agree with that, Bill, uh, wholeheartedly. It's an, a long-standing one as well. Um, we are, as an academic health sciences center, uh, have a mandate uh, for education and training, and we take that mandate very, very seriously. And through our collaboration and partnership with Mohawk College, we place several thousand students a year inside our house. And the, the purpose of that placement is to give these young students direct clinical experience as part of their overall training and education. And it's a very important um, obligation and responsibility that we take very, very seriously. Well, you know, we heard the phrase, uh, and, and maybe it started back when this McMaster campus was built, the hospital campus, that is, with Hamilton South Saints, it's a teaching hospital, quote-unquote. That's right. And, and that was uh, some of the, maybe an abstract term to an awful lot of people, but it's 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 basically, it's it's theory, obviously. Theory is still going to be a big part of medicine right. and healthcare, but it's, it's practical experience at the same time. Exactly. It's uh, very much, you know, uh, hands-on uh, training and experience and skills, technical skills are a very, very important part of the overall care that are provided by healthcare professionals. And uh, we want to graduate uh, Mohawk students who are competent uh, in those knowledge and skills as they move on to their professional careers. That collaboration extends not just with Hamilton Health Sciences, Winnie, but also through St. Joe's. Uh, and, and that doesn't happen without the collaboration between Hamilton Health Sciences and St. Joe's. This is this is one great big partnership that, that seems to benefit just about everybody. Mm-hmm. Indeed it is. I think here in Hamilton we have a 
long history of strong collaboration between the university, Mohawk College, and our teaching institutions, Hamilton Health Sciences and St. Joe's. And it's together that we uh, create those learning environments that really are rich and uh, profitable for all the students that uh, we place at all of our sites. And we're maybe a little spoiled if you've lived here all your life because you figure, well, that's the way healthcare is supposed to work. But it doesn't work that way in a lot of other jurisdictions. And, and to your credit, I mean, Hamilton... Hamilton Health Sciences and St. Joe's were actually in, in the, the forerunners in developing those collaborations and those affiliations with each other and others have actually used you guys as a template for how they could do it in their communities. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have had uh, I think a strong partnership between uh, both of our organizations the entire time I've worked in Hamilton which is back to the early 80s. Um, we've always worked closely together on serving patients and in the, in the way we design our uh, student placement and work with uh, Mohawk College and the University. One of the, the strengths of McMaster, among many, uh, when you look at what's gone on here and the, the, the McMaster graduates that have gone on and made such a huge difference in so many different disciplines, uh, Alan, is, uh, is the, the collaboration between health sciences, research, and, and McMaster University. And, and obviously, having this campus here, plus the McMaster campus and the hospital, the Children's Hospital right next door, it's, it's a, a, a medical marriage made in heaven, isn't it? It is. Uh, we've been very lucky to uh, actually have the university collaborate with the uh, college and the hospitals over the last 30, 40 years in ways that I think uh, that city up the road from us, not too far away, would just uh, uh, cringe at what we've been able to achieve. Uh, and we, we're very proud that we've been able to do that. Uh, the hospitals have collaborated for many years, even around healthcare issues. Forget, just forget education for a moment. But healthcare in Hamilton is set up so that the two hospitals can collaborate about who specializes in what. That's to the benefit of the patients who live around the Hamilton area. Uh, Similarly, we've managed to work uh, university with both the hospitals to provide uh, great learning, uh, learning experiences, partly because the healthcare system that's been set up between the two hospitals facilitates the education of our learners. How do you break down those silos, John? Because there, as, as, as Woody mentioned, and uh, we've seen over the years, uh, a lot of other communities haven't done that yet, and it's uh, they, they don't seem to see the vision that, that Hamilton Health Sciences and St. Joe's and McMaster saw to, to collaborate and simply say, look, at you, let's let's divvy this up, let's 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 have centers of excellence, and 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 it's it's got to be difficult sometimes because I mean everybody has to come in here with an open mind, and that that can be difficult sometimes. Well, well, it can be, and, and it's not to say that you know a siloed way of thinking still doesn't exist in some pockets in the city. But we are very, very fortunate in as much as uh, we have a growing community of forward thinkers who have their eye on the horizon and are thinking very, very carefully about the future of healthcare, about the future of education, and through that, uh, the realization that we can get more done more effectively if we actually work together. And that, I think, is the growing spirit um, in uh, Hamilton between our academic partners, including McMaster University, St. Joe's uh, Healthcare, and uh, Hamilton Health Sciences. There have been criticisms, though, Winnie, about healthcare in the past from uh, overburdened taxpayers, shall we say, mm-hmm. that said, oh, there's, there's waste, there's inefficiency there. But, but the template that you've developed here in Hamilton, where you look at something like this, and, and I'll go back to you know the, the old days, I guess, when, when you had... You know, you had Hamilton generally, you had St. Joe's, mm-hmm. you had Henderson Hospital up on the mountain, you had Shadoka up on the mountain, and they each had a pediatric ward, they each had an orthopedic ward, they mm-hmm. each had a cardiac ward, and, 
And, and, and to their credit, the visionaries on those boards at the time said, wait a second, there's got to be a better way to deliver this service. And, and it, I'm sure it wasn't an easy path, but you found a way to do that. Yes, I think it was the vision of the our boards and uh, the university that enabled us to do that. We really, the Children's Hospital, I think, is a great example of how we uh, um, determined that having a centralised service would, and a, with lots of specialisation would better serve the community as an academic health science centre than having um, services spread at each of the sites. We've done it in a number of areas. We've done it in cardiac care. We've done it in uh, um, renal care, in mental health. I think uh, the goes on and we continue to do it. We, we are working um, presently on areas where we would continue to collaborate. I think it is important to uh, add that one of the areas that we recognise um, we need to collaborate more and in a stronger way is with the community partners that we work with, with primary care and with many community agencies because when you look at health outcomes and look at uh, the downtown core area of Hamilton, um, it's working with many agencies around housing, around things along with healthcare that determine the quality of life that uh, our, the members of our community have. But isn't that one of the great extensions of that conversation to understand that healthcare is not just what goes on inside a physical hospital sure. building? Yeah. That there's a lot more to it. Absolutely. That it's quality of life. It's 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 so many different other things. It's dealing with poverty issues. Mm. I mean, because those are those are all contributors. I think I think. I'd like to think we're smarter about that now. I don't know that we've got all the, the solutions or outcomes we wanted, but at least we're broadening that discussion. I agree with you. I think we, I, whether we're smarter, I'm not sure, but we're certainly focusing on it in a in a much more um, purposeful way. And we still have lots to, I think, get right on this, but we've really changed direction if you look back even 15 years from the way we design services. When something happens like this and you've got what becomes a, a, a physical healthcare center of excellence, uh, McMaster jumps in here, and, and I don't know if it's by design when, when something like this Alan, Alan happens, but McMaster, and I'm not going to suggest that this is their strength because I do that in my own peril because there's so many wonderful things that go on here at McMaster from, from engineering and architecture to and the sciences and, the, and, of course, the arts. But it has become a health sciences research center of excellence now, acknowledged worldwide as a result of that. Uh, and, and that's one of the great, I think, benefits of what's going on here is when they these two hospital uh, agencies and boards work together like this, then all of a sudden it seems to bring in the best of the best from around the world that said, I want to come and work here. I want to work. I want to teach here. I want to learn here. I want to do research here. And it, it's made everybody better. The old idea about us, all ships rise with high tide. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, um, what you're alluding to is that the Faculty of Health Sciences dwarfs the other five faculties within the university, particularly when it comes to research dollars. And then when you add in the research dollars attributable to the hospital partners, the bioscience uh, research empire in the city is uh, huge. And uh, but that, that benefits not only research, and medical research, uh, health sciences research generally, but it actually benefits education for the reason that you just mentioned, and that is dollars attract dollars, attracts people and uh, good people come where they think they can get a good research career and then we make them teach <laughs> as well. So we, 
our learners benefit as well as our research mandate. But you've got a track record, a, a, center, a, a record of excellence, a record of achievement now, yeah. uh, and, and success breeds success. In other words, agencies, funders, both in the private and in government sector, are going to look at what goes on in this city and say, you know what, it's worth the investment because the last time we did it, look what we got as, as a result of we this. Did. But we can't sit on our heels. Of course not. Uh, if you want to remain innovative, you can't keep doing what you did yesterday. And I think it behooves all of us in the university and the hospitals to think, where's the next step? And I think the center that's opening today and the center that's similar that we have over in the uh, Faculty of Health Sciences for simulation-based education is a recognition that moving forward, educating health science professionals is going to require new types of educational approaches and we've got an opportunity to be innovative here in Hamilton. I, I guess that happens though, doesn't it, John? When, you know, you, you can tell somebody, uh, you know, hey, you know the Vendelin Puffer that designed for that was actually in Hamilton. It was Dr. Firestone. Uh, the, the robotic surgery with the concept of that was developed here. So many other great innovations. But they're going to look at that and say, that's great, but uh, what have you done lately? Uh, you, you know, yeah, as, as Alan said, you've got to be one step ahead of everybody in a situation like that. And this progression and this campus here seems to be, the, 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 I, I guess, the portal to that next step. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, this leading-edge thinking is uh, critical to the point that you made earlier about recruitment and retention of the very best. And that begins with the first day of school and ends with the first day of retirement. Um, and so a simulation facility like this uh, sends a signal to future students and to future hospital employees and employers uh, that we are leading and on the leading edge in terms of education and training of our young people. You know, I, I've, I've talked to some of the folks in the Lions Lair competition, which is, of course, is affiliated with the Innovation Park and the Innovation Factory and the great work that goes on there. And when I hear some of the startups and some of the great innovative ideas that uh, that are, are born there and incubated there, uh, and, and they, they talk constantly, of course, about the, the support services they get from all of these. But the number of them that are health science related is phenomenal right now. It's, it's, it's almost as if there's something in the air here that seems to breed that sort of innovation. And that's a good thing. Yeah, well, certainly, uh, you know, the environment is receptive, right, to exploring new ideas and new ways of tackling old challenges. Um, and the Innovation Park is a critical uh, resource that we have here uh, in Hamilton to help us identify sooner those technologies that might actually be more helpful and more effective than what we are currently using. So we very much uh, value the contributions and the collaboration that we have through the Innovation Park. But to go right down to the basic, uh, one of the basic tenets, I guess, of, of the community college system and the university system is you want to prepare students to be the professionals of tomorrow. Mm. Uh, and this looks like an ideal situation. I mean, this hands-on experience that, that's, that's being offered here in this facility with McMaster's cooperation, of course, with what you guys are doing already, and now what's going on to the Mohawk. Yeah. Uh, both St. Joe's and Hamilton Health Sciences can look at this and say, look, at, we're going to need trained people to do this sort of work in the future, but that training is happening right here in our backyard. It is, and I, th I think the uh, vision of President McCurley and of Mohawk College in creating the simulation program really is a great asset for us in terms of the learners that we get. The healthcare environment is very fast-paced. The innovation, the new research that we're looking to put into practice on a daily basis puts a lot of pressure on students, and I think ways of helping them learn faster and better, this is a great example of one of those ways, and we see it 
when the students come for placement in the hospitals, the level of preparation and the types of students that uh, Mohawk attracts is, is a very high calibre and we are very grateful for that because most of the uh, um, students that we recruit, particularly in areas like nursing, um, like uh, uh, medical radiation uh, technology, we recruit from Mohawk College so the calibre of those students is very important to the quality of patient care that we're able to provide. Well, and we see the results of this too when we talk about world rankings in universities and community colleges uh, and, and the medical research that goes on. And, and, and just talking to some of the students that are involved in this program, John, and uh, their, their excellence and, and their, their specialization in things like cardiovascular research and radiography, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's where this is heading. That's is where the jobs in, in healthcare are heading right now and where the research is heading right now. And uh, to know that 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 kind of innovation is happening right here in our backyard is I got to be extremely reassuring to, to hospitals, health cares, and educational facilities. Well, you know, um, Mohawk College's vision is uh, to prepare future ready students and um, it, it's a reflection of the college's uh, focus on what the future is going to look like and certainly specialization is a, is a critical determinant of the future health care that we're going to offer. And uh, if we can start training these young people uh, today, they will be uh, well prepared in advance for that coming future in healthcare. You know, back in the day when I was going to community college, uh, and those were the the early days of community colleges, Alan, the, the distinction one professor made to me says, university is where you go to learn theory, and if you want to get hands-on experience, you, you go to a community college. That line is blurred right now because that there's such interaction between universities, <laughs> colleges uh, right now that uh, that you, you need both, and, and, and both supply that now. They do, and it, it's even more blurred when you come to health professional yeah, training. Yeah. And again, one of the, uh, I think one of the beauties of developing more simulation-based education, which applies to students from the college partnership as well as the university side is the f we have to train healthcare professionals of the future to be really comfortable working with one another because your care your back has to be looked after by a team of people not by a person and people come from vi diverse health professional backgrounds for the benefit of patients and working in a team doesn't come naturally especially if much of your curriculum is you've been trained with your own sort doctors nurses mm -hmm. physios Simulation-based education allows for an opportunity for people in a very safe environment to learn how to work together, to be effective team players. Uh, great collaboration that's gone on here, and, and we wouldn't be here today had it not been for that collaboration. Thank you one and all for, uh, for the great work that you guys are doing within the community to make this happen, and uh, thanks a lot for spending time with us today. Thank you. Great Thank to you have you with much. us. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. Bill Kelly Show live today from the McMaster campus of Mohawk College uh, with this fabulous healthcare simulation lab uh, located here on the Mohawk campus. And uh, joining us to talk a little bit about what you're going to see once you go through the front doors here, uh, Ron McCurley, the president of Mohawk College. Good to see you again, Ron. Thanks Good for coming to see you, Bill. in. Thanks, Thanks for joining us down to have you at our place here today. And, and of course, Laurie Kozial, who is, of course, the uh, dean of uh, School of Earth Health Sciences here at the college as well, who's uh, pretty much acting as my co-host here. She's <laughs> shepherding people back and forth. But, I mean, you know, this is your house, so you can you can do whatever you want here, Laurie. I'm going to ask you a chicken and egg question, Ron. You uh, you told us about this many, many months ago uh, during one of your visits to our program where you, you talked about uh, what was going to be happening here. And this is back in the infancy of this program. 
And we see that has come to fruition right now. But the chicken and egg element is this. Uh, you you got some government support for this, which was fabulous. And, and I know that Ted McBean can talk to us about that not too long after you said this is what you're going to do. But where does the vision fit in and where does the funding? Do you, do you say, this is what I think we want to do at this campus, uh, and now let's go get the money for it? Or do you just petition and say, okay, now that we've got the money, what can we do with this? Uh, because what this this is like the Cadillac of healthcare learning facilities here right now. There's not an, another one like this in Canada. Uh, and it, it's phenomenal right now. Where, where did the vision come from to say, this is what we want to build, this is what we need? Well, it actually started a step before that, which is what's the need uh, in the community that we recognize, and then how challenging is it to get clinical time for all of the students uh, that we need to Yeah, uh, but 10 years train. ago, if you'd said that, this is what the kind of stuff we want, this is the equipment, I'd, you know what they'd say, good luck with that. You know, we, we, can, we, we can hardly fund that for hospitals, let alone for educational facilities. You're a very convincing guy to be able to get this. Well, uh, yes, and we have uh, some great partners that we're working with that have made it clear that the demand's there for the students. The, they want uh, graduates who have gone through this kind of experience, have trained in this kind of equipment. So we did uh, lay out the vision, uh, and we went to government and said, this is what we're going to need, and here's our partners who support what we're trying to do. So it wasn't just Mohawk College uh, asking for funding. It was Mohawk along with our uh, hospital and clinical partners saying, this is the right thing to do, and we need you to come alongside and help us do that. But this is the only one in Canada, correct? So far. So, well, which yeah. you, but once again, you guys have set the template for other community colleges and universities to follow. Well, and that's, uh, I think, part of our goal at Mohawk is we... It's part of your reputation. We want to be bold. We want to take uh, chances, but we want to be out there doing what's right for the industry that we support, for the communities that we serve, for the students that we take through our programs. Uh, you know, and I have the, the fortunate advantage, having worked in government for 10 years at the deputy minister level, of understanding what it takes to, to put together a compelling case to take it forward and to get uh, a sponsor and a supporter and to raise the funds. So, you know, that's partly uh, our good fortune or my good fortune that I've had that experience and I know how to, to do that kind of thing. But, but you also know from your time working in government, too, uh, that uh, they don't just write checks. They don't say, "Hey, great idea, Ron. Good to see you again. How much money can we give you this week?" I mean, you've you've got to really, you've got to present a case that's very compelling these days. Yeah, and it's 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 not rocket science. You figure out where they want to go, and then you figure out how that can benefit you to help them get there. And that's really what we did. Was we said, "Look, we know that there's a crisis in healthcare that's looming. We know that that's a priority for you as the government. Here's what we can do to help alleviate some of the pressure, at least in this community." So. Um, so we, we tie our uh, request back into the government's goals in terms of improving the health care system. But it's, it's outside-the-box thinking when you, when you look at that standpoint, Laurie. I mean, we already know that one of the great challenges for any government has always been the cost of health care. Uh, what was the last time I think? It's 53 cents out of every dollar, I think, goes towards health care in this province right now, and that number keeps going up. So spending that money wisely uh, is, is obviously a, an imperative in a situation like this. Uh, but what you guys did which came to them with a proposal to say look at let's start at the bottom end let's train people properly so that when they move into those disciplines that they're ready to and, and ready to roll into it that's that's a, a a cost efficiency that I guess they hadn't really thought of before true and and there are many aspects to Mohawk's uh, relationship with the with the community the city of Hamilton the code red report the recommendations that came out of that the city school initiative I, I see the government 
sees Mohawk as as a player on many many fronts and has a lot of needs. How can we present the needs and support the needs and what do we need from government to make it happen? And you, you know you can do a uh, mini version or you can do a Cadillac version and mini version we were prepared to to launch and support Cadillac version we absolutely needed the government support but that again goes back to to the history I guess of, of these institutions the collaborators in this whole situation uh, when you look at what's going on and, and and again that's part of what's happening with with education I guess at this point Ron both you and McMaster and for that matter health sciences and uh, Hamilton Health Sciences and St. Joe's uh, are not just uh, within the physical buildings of where those facilities are. You're out in the community. You outreach programs with what Mohawk is doing specifically uh, in the community and some of those uh, areas that are challenged. Uh, the work that you do down at Robert Land and other schools like this where you've got students that are going out there. McMaster is doing similar programs like this in so many disciplines. The, both hospital boards are doing the very same thing right now. Uh, it's it's easy to present a case, I guess, to a government uh, when you're looking for funding to say, look, at, this is all part of the commitment to community, which you guys have already got a long track record of, of, of not only doing but being successful at. One of the, th the things that government likes to do is they like to see partnerships form. They like to see uh, people get together so not everybody's trying to do their own thing. One of the things we do exceedingly well in Hamilton is we work together. Uh, we put egos aside. We figure out what needs to get done. We figure out who are the right people to get to the table. And so we've been able to launch recently uh, at St. Elizabeth Village, for instance, uh, our massage therapy program in there for residents. You know, it makes such great sense to have our students actually out in the community working with residents, providing a reasonable and valuable service uh, to them at a reasonable cost. So uh, this is what makes, I think, Hamilton a great city is um, the, the province looks at us and says, look, this is going to take a long time to try to figure out how to do in, in Toronto or we can try to get some early uh, experience. Mohawk's ready to go. They've already got their partners lined up. Why don't we try it there? If it works well, we'll roll it out into the rest of the province. We did that with city school as well. Well, exactly. And and, and I guess, and I don't mean this as a criticism of government. I think it's just a reality. Uh, governments, either provincial or, or federal, or maybe even to a certain extent municipal, uh, don't really want to do the heavy lifting. They've got other things and other priorities they're looking at. If you can come to them and say, we already got a team together. We already got a plan. And we've already got a vision. So you guys don't have to do that. We've already done the homework on this. Here it is. Can you help us out with that? That makes their job a lot easier. It does. And we have no shortage of vision at Mohawk. Uh, we've got a great board that supports us. We've got a great uh, faculty, staff, and administration. And we know where we want to go. We know what it's going to take. We're tightly coupled with industry. We know what they need. Uh, and that's been incredibly helpful over a long period of time. And and so we can go to government and say, look, uh, here's some areas. Uh, when you're ready, we're ready. Uh, so we need your support. And they were very good. The the city school mobile, they supported us with that. Obviously, uh, the uh, uh, simulation center that you're going to see uh, later on uh, this morning as we open it officially, uh, they supported us with that as well. Well, and we've seen this in other programs at Mohawk when you head us out to the Stony Creek campus there. And uh, we were talking with our friends at the Walters Group and the collaboration that goes on between Mohawk and uh, and the Walters Group and other partners, of course, about here's what industry needs. Uh, here's what we're going to train these people to do in collaboration with those people. Talk to us, Laurie, about how that conversation went with Hamilton Health Sciences and St. Joe's and, and other health care providers when you said, okay, this is what we're going to start here right now. 
how do you decide exactly what's going to happen in this facility, what you need in this facility? That that had to be a pretty long and, I would imagine, a uh, very intricate discussion between those people that are delivering the system right now and you who are going to design a system to train people to work within that. Yes, absolutely. You know, we, we definitely work with our partners in defining what the need is. And the other piece of that is, and I've mentioned this earlier, the technology. Mm-hmm. What is available out there? What program mix do we have? What's the need in our community? And based on those factors, it, it doesn't make it too tough to figure out which direction you want to go. Times have changed. Uh, back in the old days of community colleges when they'd knock on doors to, to an industry, Ron, and simply say, look, have you got any used equipment that you guys don't have? Because we could use it to help train our... And, and this happened. I, and I, it was my experience in broadcasting where that happened. I mean, God bless the people of Mohawk back in those days. But it was not state-of-the-art equipment back then. It was functional and, and worked great for, for us at the time. And, and I'm sure it was like that in other industries. But, but we've almost gone to the polar opposite end of that discussion right now where learning institutions like Mohawk are actually on the cutting edge of the latest technology. I mean, the students are so blessed. I mean, I, I remember the stuff, for instance, when I was in radio that I, I, I was working on when I was in F-108 way back in the day uh, in the early 70s. And I, I went in to go see what they're doing with the Mohawk radio station right now. And I said, this, this is as good as you're going to see at any radio station. And, and to take that same idea and say, this is what we're going to do in healthcare right now. This is as good as what they're going to find and maybe better than they're going to find in some other hospital boards. Well, and I think a couple reasons for that. One, uh, I think industry wants their uh, the graduates, their next generation workforce, to be trained on whatever is current, whatever is modern, whatever they're using. Uh, but but also, uh, lots of suppliers now want. Um, a place where they can come where they can bring clients and show them the equipment in use too and uh, they know that a lot of people who get trained on that equipment uh, are going to create the demand for it then when they get out into the community so if you use a certain type of uh, ultrasound uh, machine or whatever that's going to create some demand when you're out there in the hospitals so so there is a benefit to industry to have the most up-to-date equipment here at the college. How do you stay ahead of the technology like that, Laurie? Keep in touch with what's going on and where the, the next step is? Because you guys always seem to be, when that next step happens, you're already there. Well, that's where we're really relying on our, our faculty, our, our coordinators, our associate deans to um, be in touch with the industry, to understand where it's going, to be current with their professional development, attend the conferences, and and you know see what where what is the research what is happening now and when we're teaching in our program we're teaching current state but we're also teaching futuristic that's just built into the curriculum so that's part of faculty's responsibility and in health they they embrace it i know but i've seen this when i talk to some of the instructors at, at the college and and that seems to be the mindset and the attitude you're not reactive you're not saying well did you see that new development we have to respond to that that new development occurs, and, and you guys at Mohawk are saying, yeah, we saw that coming, and now this is what we've done for that. Right. You're, 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 I don't know if you're one step ahead, but you're in step with what seems to be happening. You stated that very well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, it seems to be, it, it's, a, it's a laudable goal, but you, it seems to be the, the way that you guys approach just about all these disciplines now, Ron. One of the things that's helped us a lot is to have an applied research uh, area within the college, actually a, a number of different centers, and, and uh, b- because they're a little further out than uh, we would be in our 
courses, it allows us to start to realize what the art of the possible might be. And so that's actually helped us a lot and played into our visioning exercise. Uh, we're also doing that more uh, frequently, so spending more time thinking about not uh, next year or the year after, but what does 5, 10, and 20 years out look like? So artificial intelligence, robotics, uh, what do we need to do uh, for machine learning to help people cope with that? Because it is going to displace jobs. It's going to change things. And technology is, is a fact of life. It's here. It's not going away. So how do we prepare the workforce for that? And so not only using state-of-the-art technology, but figuring out what the next generation of that's going to look like and helping to prepare the, the students for that. So I, I know part of the mentor Mohawk College is to have students future ready, but it sounds as if the staff have to be future ready. Absolutely. And, and the administration. We all have to be thinking about not next year, but but many years out, and what is that going to look like, and then how do we prepare for that? Because the only the only constant in life is change, as they say, and that's absolutely true, and it's particularly true right now in education, because we're on the next wave of, of technology. Well, and it's especially true in healthcare, isn't it, Laurie? Uh, you know, the, the technology of today is going to be redundant tomorrow, and, and you have to anticipate and be prepared for that. The, the worst possible thing you can do is go to school and get an education and have somebody say, yeah, well, we don't do that anymore. We do this. Uh, you, you know, you can't be lagging behind in a situation like that. So to be on the cutting edge of this sort of stuff is, uh, is, is not only laudable, but it's quite necessary, really. Absolutely. Another aspect, we are very engaged with our communities. So whether it be our clinical partners, and we have partners everywhere in Ontario, um, our program advisory committees, and on those committees we have industry, we have clinical representations, we have graduates, we have students and staff. And, you know, we're listening. We're listening to what's going on out there. We're seeing change as an opportunity. When, how do we take it to the next level? What is that next level? And Mohawk College has a strategic plan, but each area has its vision as well. Um, Paul took the opportunity last year as the Vice President Academic to assess the academic structure. And is, it, was, is the structure going to support five years out, ten years out? And we did restructure significantly in health. And this is our opportunity to um, set up its foundation. So, so we're a cohesive, functioning um, group with a, with a big impact. How important, Ron, is it to be in Hamilton, um, uh, where this, we have become, I think, developed a reputation as a center, uh, of, especially in this case, medical innovation, uh, in collaboration, obviously, with McMaster and what's going on with Hamilton Health Sciences and St. Joe's, where there are some medical breakthroughs, uh, it seems like, on a pretty consistent basis emanating from this city, from the research that's going on. Uh, that not only helps, I guess, feed the desire for people to be involved in the in centers like what you've got here at Mohawk, but it would also, I would think, attract the expertise of people that say, I want to be part of that. I want to teach there. I want to learn there. I want to do research here. And that, that benefits the colleges and the university. Yeah, it makes it easy to attract uh, faculty and staff, but it also makes it easier to attract capital. So if you think about the partnership that IBM uh, announced with Hamilton Health Sciences, there's a natural supporting uh, opportunity for Mohawk College around teaching data analytics. And so we're in that partnership as well, uh, supporting uh, uh, that partnership. So, so, so uh, the capital comes in from uh, companies like IBM because Hamilton is a natural place to invest in healthcare, and you'd want to do that here. 
but it makes it um, easier to get the government's attention as well because it's already one of those areas where so much has been done. McMaster's been a leader uh, in uh, health sciences for so many years and has a stellar global reputation now uh, around that. And of course, being a partner with McMaster is very helpful to Mohawk College as well. Talk to me about, uh, we always talk about students being future ready right now, about about being job ready in placements like this. And then when I was interested in talking with the panel that we had earlier with uh, Monica and Maria and uh, Ken, who are all students in this facility right now, uh, about the placements that they've had. And, uh, and I think Ken uh, characterized it as it's like a three-month job audition uh, <laughs> for a job like this. But the fact that they have that. Uh, this is not segmented like it was before. You go to school to get from academia, get your diploma, uh, then knock on doors. Uh, those doors are already open by the time you graduate. We have uh, we have 150 programs. We have over 20 programs now where 100% of uh, students will have a job uh, on graduation. And um, we have 70% of all our students across all our programs that have some work integrated learning aspect to their education. So it could be a co-op, it could be a job placement, it could be an internship, it could be a capstone project, it could be any of, uh, any of those, or clinical placement. But what it means is you've already got connections with potential employers, you already have a sense of what it's like to be out there in the work force. You have a sense of what the job's going to feel like when you start to do it, and that causes a number of students to say, actually, I don't want to do that. Uh, we've had students that have started health uh, in one of the health sciences cor- course and realized, oh, there's blood involved. Well, I am, I'm really not interested in, in that. Well, that's a good time to find out early yeah. on rather yeah. than graduate and, and then go out to uh, a hospital and realize that that's not something you're comfortable with. So, so 70% across all of our courses means that uh, you know most students already have an experience in the work world before they ever reach the end of their uh, diploma or degree or, or uh, certificate program. Incredible good news story, and we're going to continue that story. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. Yeah, we are live on location. Hi, Bill Kelly, back with you once again. We are at the Mohawk campus uh, down at McMaster University. Uh, I mentioned with Ron McCurley earlier, this is uh, completing the trifecta for me because uh, we've done programs now from all three Mac cam- or, uh, Mohawk campuses. Uh, of course, the, the Fennel campus, uh, the original campus. And, and okay, I know the original was on Lockstreet or Dundurn, but I mean, I'm talking about the big campus that was started in the 70s, and of course, Stony Creek. And now, this McMaster campus, which actually has been around for 17 years, uh, the building in which we're uh, broadcasting from today uh, was actually erected. The cornerstone says the year 2000. Uh, and Paul Armstrong, uh, vice president of academic from McMur- Mohawk, told us about that a little while ago. But what we want to talk about is this fabulous new wrinkle to what's being taught here on this uh, campus, and that is the uh, simulation lab, the healthcare simulation lab. Uh, Vishal Pathreddy Apana is with us, who is a nurse technician. Thanks for coming today. Thank you. And uh, and also Chris Bradbury, who is a student here. Uh, Chris, thank you for being here as well. My pleasure. We're going to get you just to move in a little bit closer to the mic. Yeah, light. sure. I, w- I want to get a, a read on the, exactly how this happens and what's going on. We've talked to, with some of our guests in the last the couple of hours about the equipment that's involved in this, but I want to talk about the hands-on experience, uh, Chris, if I could for a second. And, and first of all, why you decided on the program and what you've seen in the time that you've been here. Um, okay, so when you uh, think about applying to college, you, you usually put in a bunch of applications to a few colleges and then see what comes back. And I was actually accepted to another couple of colleges as well as Mohawk. 
and then I did my research and I am a Hamilton local and I found out that uh, Mohawk has a really good affiliation with a lot of the local uh, health institutions and especially when it comes to clinical placement. So Mohawk students are, are well respected and the, the places like having them in for their placement because they're, they're well prepared. So that's, that's really why I chose Mohawk because I wanted to be uh, prepared in the local area and hope that that equated to employment opportunities when I was done. Did you, did you have a discipline in mind that you wanted to focus on? No, I had an open mind when I came in. I come from a long line of healthcare professionals and uh, and I just so wanted it's in your to. DNA. Yeah, I just <laughs> wanted to see what played out and uh, and and take it from there. But uh, yeah, it's the clinical placements in the local area that Mohawk really has a good relationship with and and sends their students out well prepared. What brought you here, Vishal? Uh, well, originally I'm from Montreal, moved here two years ago, so I'm at Mohawk for two years now. I uh, already have a background in uh, computer science, nursing, so which is not two of the same thing. Uh, when I came here, I saw the job posting. It was I always told that to my boss, like it was tailor-made for me to be here. Uh, that job posting really encompasses everything I can do and I'm, I'm doing. And coming here right now, and with the new changes happening around here, before we were nurse technologists, now we are healthcare simulationists. And with that, I ha I'm the lead in simulation around here. So. Uh, you got your own shirt. You got your own golf shirt with your name on it. It says Simulation Center. So exactly. you're you're a big guy here. Uh, talk to us about. You mentioned the simulation aspect, Michelle. Talk to us about how that happens and, and how that program actually works here. So how how it happens? So we do work with faculties. Faculties are the one like uh, designing because uh, simulation has to be integrated with the curriculum. So uh, faculties will work on it and then come to see me and say, okay. Can we do this? So we have a couple of rooms that we'll see on tour before. We have a couple of high fidelity mannequins that will simulate a patient in reality. They say you want to do a cardiac arrest, so I'll be behind programming it beforehand. And based on what the students are doing, we can see them. We do the voiceover. Based on what the students are doing, we can now react to what they are doing. So Chris can mention it. So if they are doing the vital signs and everything, if they are applying a medication, based on the medication, we'll say, okay, 15 minutes has passed, will decrease or increase. So we'll react to what the students are doing. So th this is a mannequin, to be sure. Okay? Right now, this is a mannequin All right, right now. That, you're, that we're dealing with here. But you're programming it. Yeah. So it's 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 for all intents and purposes it's a living mannequin. In other words, it's going to have vital signs. It's exactly. going to react. It's 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 a human. For all intents, when you when you're standing in front of this right now, Chris, I mean it's it's acting like a real person. And, oh, and absolutely. Yeah. And um, they can program. How lifelike is it? They can. Oh, very. They can program any uh, disorder into the mannequin. So the vital signs, the urine output, the neurological. Uh, res responses, they'll all simulate certain illnesses and, and it's up to, like, as we learn our skills as we go through the semester, um, we will apply them in a simulation that's geared towards that. So they'll, the staff will program in uh, the parameters and it's up to us to go through and check all of those things and then come up with um, our own sort of nursing diagnosis and then sometimes the sim will go further and we'll have to call for help or call a doctor or a nurse practitioner who will give us instructions and then we apply those instructions and sometimes even the instructions are a test so 
it may not be the correct instruction for that particular situation and it's up to us as the nursing students to say well wait a minute I don't agree with this antibiotic for instance because he's allergic to penicillin ah, things yeah. like that so it, it is a pressure cooker and and the beauty of it is from a student point of view is you you go in there with an expectation we'll get to read the the patient's medical record their chart we'll get a transfer of accountability from a previous shift nurse so we'll have an idea of what to expect when we go in and it never goes that way of course but it, that's, the, that's life yeah right? that's but safe. the beauty of it is it does prepare you for the real world because um you you go in there and you, the situation's not exactly what you expected and you have to adapt to that situation as you would in the real world now the the faculty is in a booth upstairs and they have us on a screen there's a microphone and a speaker in the room so if we're asking the mannequin a question like do you know where you are what's your name your date of birth they can respond from the booth and uh, and they just run it from up there so if they want to tease us they can tease us if they want to just make it straightforward they can make it straightforward and we don't hurt anybody and I think that's the beauty of a simulation is we can deal with unexpected situations in a way that that is safe but but this is really ramping it up from the days of Gray's Anatomy when you just looked at the diagram and and said this is the liver uh, it's down here look for you know it's a little thing like this right beside such uh, etc uh, but they don't have that hands-on experience to say and here's how the person responds you can look in a book and probably get two paragraphs about what happens when a liver starts mm, exactly. to exactly but to actually see it in in a, in, a, in a human being and see how that human being responds yeah. Is a totally different situation, isn't it? True. Like right now, like uh, just to come back a bit to what uh, Chris also was saying, we it is a safe environment. Yeah. It's there, even so. Sometimes the sim, as they're going through the experience, take a left turn to it, but it's still good. It's a learning experience. So the way it is really designed is like when they run through it, so. It might still be a blur to them because they run so fast and so quick. So what's good to it is the debriefing aspect afterwards. So they get time to reflect on it and then they get debriefed on it. It's never what's right or what's wrong. It's a self-reflective from them to come up. How did I do? If I have the chance of redoing it, how would I go about and redoing it again? That's where they, they grow their self-confidence they become a nurse. Seeing them from semester one, when they come in, go through all the sims every single semester, up to semester four, which is uh, right now quizzes, you could see they are, when they come in as a very baby, like scared of walking in, by now when they are come out, yes, they are ready to graduate, they are ready to become a nurse. Because you're, what you're doing is you're adding an extra demand. You're not just saying, okay, I want you to recall what you learned about how something presents itself. You want them to see it, analyze it, and then develop a strategy. Exactly. So uh, there's something that we call uh, nurse, uh, nursing uh, progress process, like where they have to analyze it, they have to uh, interpret it, they have to uh, then self-reflect on it afterwards. That's what the whole sim is based on. Do they analyze it? Are they uh, interpreting it correctly? Are they interacting with it? On, on the interaction, they are looking at the communication, verbal, nonverbal. All of this is taken into aspect. And, and this is this is a real life situation without it being real life. Yeah. You're in, you're interacting with the patient. If if the patient is supposed to be conscious, they're conscious. They're responding to what you're doing. If you poke them there and it hurts, they're going to tell you it hurts. Oh, I had uh, in. 
my last sim in third semester, I had a patient die as well. And so I had to do CPR. And, uh, and then when I was reflecting on that situation, I, I realized things that I could have done differently and should have done differently. Yeah. Nobody really died. That's the beauty of it. And, uh, and, and that reflective process is really good at, at working out just the little steps that you took that may not have been absolutely correct or that you were doing when you should have been doing something else. In fourth semester, it changes a little bit from strictly uh, medical simulations with, with disease process and acute care. And we, get, we move into um, home care nursing. So then we're dealing with the family and we're confronted with both legal and ethical issues with different family dynamics over the, the health of a particularly elderly um, father figure in the family. And that's a whole new dimension as well because you have to think on your feet again. Critical thinking is what they try and teach you all the way through the, all the semesters. And when you're in the home care situation and you have, for instance, a son and daughter with differing opinions on how the care should go for their father, and one's claiming to have power of attorney and the other one says there's advanced directives for their father and you haven't seen any of those documents, you're placed in an ethical dilemma because, I mean, the default situation for a nurse is if my patient dies, I resuscitate or I try and resuscitate. But in this situation, you're faced with one person doesn't want resuscitation, another person wants everything done possible. So it's another dimension to it and it's, a, it's the reality of it because when we go to even our clinical placement before we start, uh, when we graduated and become a novice nurse, we're dealing with the patient's families as well. Oh, yeah. And they're not always great interactions. I mean, if well, you have some... Because they want results right now. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's their loved one who's suffering. Exactly. You know, Pete, my dad, he's, he's it's not working. He's still in pain. Right. Give him something. And they're scared. Well, it's not time for his note. You can't do it. And then you get into a debate, but you can't debate them. Yep. You can't debate them. And, and we're, we're responsible to the College of Nurses. It's our governing body. And they advocate for the public. We advocate for our client. But in that, we have the families as well. And, I mean, I could spend all my day nursing just talking to families if I, if I wanted to. And they're all scared. There's something going on that they don't have all the information for at one time. They get it in dribs and drabs after different testing. Um, and we're caught in the middle because they want answers from us because we're the front line. Well, and, and you're supposed to know all things about all people. And the old idea about a little bit of knowledge. I'm sure you, well, one of the Sims, I'm sure you've already tried this, Vishal. Somebody comes up to you and says, yeah, well, I saw something on CNN last week. And this is what they're doing for people that are like my dad. Why can't you do that? Right. And you have to have an answer right. for them. And, and you have other people who have got their laptop at their at their patient's, at their loved one's bedside. Googling and they're this. on the Internet yeah. and they're asking you questions off the Internet. Exactly. It's But it's really good. I find it... Uh, I find it stimulating because I have to be able to answer their questions as best I can, and that that forces me to understand what I'm what I'm doing. How do you decide? I mean, there's so many things that you could cover, Risha, when you're doing a program like this. To and I'm not suggesting you're throwing curves at these guys. You're actually showing them a little bit of a slice of life as to what they're in for right now. But you, uh, you you've, the, the scenarios here are almost limitless, aren't they? Limitless, like anything we think. Uh, having been a nurse working uh, for a long time in a hospital station, living through a lot of them, this is where we get our ideas to throw at them, which is like, uh, and the semester four that Chris was talking about, it's not high fidelity, it's us playing the family member. And we, we can again go so many different routes based on how the student's doing. Like some good students will play it 
to a different level, we always try to adjust to the student needs of how they are doing inside there. Uh, I say it's always not a pass or fail thing in the simulation. It's never been, and studies have shown about that. It's not good to, there's no failing in, in simulation because it's a safe environment. So as we're saying, like, when, when the family dies, and the beauty of it in the simulation on the fourth semester, they never see the patient. The patient doesn't respond to them. So all the students coming in, week one, they come in, they are expecting to talk to the patient. But the patient is always in a comatose state. So they have to, and we are in the family, if they don't talk to us, we don't talk to them. When we start like this, so Chris, say Chris is coming in, oh, I want to see the patient, Mr. X, don't, don't care about the family, so the communication is not there, well, we'll react to that way. It's either we'll sob or we'll make some noises, see how they're going to react. So it's, I think, it, and it's a simulation that goes over four weeks period of time. Mm -hmm. And during the four week, it deteriorates. We always are assessing based on curriculum criteria. What are we assessing this week with the students? It always comes. But combats. do you know that, Pete, going in? Mm. I mean, I mean, you, you, your patient, quote unquote, is presented with symptoms, I guess, and you know, you know why they're in that facility or why they are. But you don't know what's going to happen once you walk in there. Not at all. We have, uh, as oh. I said, we have a, a transfer of accountability from from another nurse or something, yeah. or, or we have a medical report. We have an idea what the patient's suffering with, and we have an idea what the family's going through. But until we walk in the door, we don't know. How that's going to flare up, or but Vish, you may know that that person, that <coughs> patient's going to have a cardiac arrest. Oh, he doesn't sure, know that. he doesn't know. And a lot of times, what they get from TOA, all over the four weeks, it change inside the room. They are coming in prepared to do something, and as soon as they walk in, everything changes. So it keeps them on on their feet. It keeps their critical thinking going on. So it's never the same thing as what they've read before. No. But Go ahead. I, I got about 30 say, seconds. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add, I've made the Sims sound an awful lot of fun. They're terrifying. I bet. It's a, it, it is a pressure cooker situation, and you can't help it. You're just nervous the whole way through. But that's reality, you know? Yeah, but you're going to be prepared, and that's what this whole thing is about. A great work that you guys are doing. Good luck in, in your career, and thanks, Beach. I'm so Thank glad you, you guys – You know, first of all, I'm glad you applied for this. <laughs> and, Thank you. Uh, and the great work that you're doing here because you are, you're making these guys ready for a, uh, a fascinating career too, and it's great to know that this kind of thing's going on. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks too. for having us, meeting Bill. you. Thank you, Bill. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. Yeah, we're live on location on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML, and we are coming to you from the McMaster University campus for Mohawk College. And uh, this is the site, of course, of the healthcare facility here and the healthcare simulation lab, which is going on. And uh, for the last segment of the program today, I want to bring Paul Armstrong and Laurie Koziel back in. A great thanks again, guys, for all the great work and uh, for the uh, uh, the great talent that you brought in here today. This is a uh, I think, Laurie, just an incredible enterprise. I'm talking with Vish and Chris in the last segment here about how this uh, this simulation works and the mannequins work. I mean, this is this is uh, this is 3D technology. This is lifelike technology. This is uh, this is just an incredible uh, enterprise that's going on here. And and you can tell just by the way that Chris Bradbury, the the uh, fourth semester student who's talking about this, uh, was talking in such glowing terms that the, the benefits to this thing are, are immeasurable, really, aren't they? Absolutely, and you're right, we do have an incredible team, um, team of talented faculty, uh, forward-looking administrators, forward-looking faculty and coordinators, and of course, fabulous students. 
Well, we were talking about how the uh, you know the success like this, Paul, attracts other people like this too. And just uh, talking to Vishal uh, a few minutes ago, here's a guy who was uh, well schooled and doing quite well in another program, got wind of what was going on here and said, "Yeah, I'd like to be part of this." And and boy, obviously he's having a blast doing this. But I mean, so are the students as a result. Yeah, it's been a, a great way to attract. I, I would say a couple things. It's a great way to attract. Uh, staff and faculty who are leading edge in what they're doing and it's also a chance to start and you're going to hear more about how important interprofessional is from Mary and Brooke in a minute but even starting to break down some of the barriers between clinical expertise and simulation based expertise and I think that's what Vishal brings which is a new opportunity for for us and from a from a, an attraction of students they they know what's happening here and you you hear from them that this is where they want to be they know things are moving they know that the staff and faculty are very innovative they know they're going to have the resources so from a, a, a recruitment tool from both a staffing and a student perspective it's been really valuable but the way this is designed and, and what Vishal was explaining to us about how this is set up is is they get every aspect of this they don't just get the the, the physical presentation of, of, of a physical uh, predicament or an environment whatever the case might be they have to deal with the psychological elements of this as well, uh, which is something they're going to get in the real world, uh, but they're exposed to it right now. I'm, I'm not going to suggest that when they leave here, they're not going to see anything they don't expect, because that's, that's life and that's health care, but they're, they're well prepared to be able to deal with crisis situations. Well, we, you know, we know what the value is around teaching and helping people learn technical skills from a simulation-based environment, but what we're finding and what we're learning very quickly is that you know, helping people work with people and understand people and to build and work within a team that is as much uh, enhanced and facilitated through simulation-based learning as the technical skills. And uh, that's a great benefit that they may not have had the same opportunity to this level before. Now, talk to us. You mentioned the Interprofessional uh, Education Conference. What's this is all about? What's this all about? Well, uh, Mary and Brooke, who are here, are going to give us a bit more Good. details. But obviously, you know, in any environment, but specifically in the healthcare environment, working with and maximizing the skills and uh, the knowledge that all members of a team bring, crossing disciplines, how do we maximize the best outcomes for the patient by breaking down the barriers of how staff are going to work together. Uh, it's, it's extremely important and you know as an educational facility we want to start to build that concept into the learning process as early as possible. And it's a challenge, it takes a lot of work and it takes um, an intentional approach to do that. But uh, the, the event that's coming up is uh, a culminating event that's going to show the work as to how Mary and uh, Brooke and the rest of the team have been creating the opportunities for students to really understand that concept, practice it, uh, reflect on it, and then help them improve as professionals. Well, we're speaking of, of course, uh, Mary Allen and uh, Brooke Maelstrom, who are here with us. First of all, ladies, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's great to meet you, Mary. Uh, and Brooke, it's great to see you again. i got to tell our, our listeners, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, Brooke was my first physiotherapist after my first knee surgeries way back when. I don't even want to remember what year that was. Uh, but I can tell you, just to give you a time context, it was at Shadoke Hospital uh, way back when, uh, when, when I had that first surgery. Uh, and you were just, uh, you were incredible. Uh, you got me through that at the same time. It's a rather daunting experience to go through knee surgery. And uh, and. Uh, you though and your staff just to go back a little bit to those old days you were quite young and still are but uh, way back when uh, you actually showed us about the integration of what goes on between doctor nursing staff and physiotherapy staff because you guys worked very very well in unison to, uh, for me and for everybody else who went into that program 
good to see yeah. you again, first yeah. of all. Well, thank you, Bill. I'm not going to go back to the year no, either, no. but we'll just say big hair was... Oh, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> big hair and shoulder pads were certainly, you know, a fashion statement. Um, but certainly, as you mentioned, the, the team approach and rehabilitation as in healthcare is certainly a, a vital aspect of, of what we need to, uh, the skills that we need to embrace and certainly learn. And we value that here at Mohawk College. And so Mary and I have, uh, with the support of Paul and Lori, have uh, designed and um, created, this will be our second go-round now of uh, an interprofessional event where all health science students can come together and through a simulated um, situation, through simulated videos, they get a chance to uh, work as a team and understand each other's roles so that they know um, what skills each profession brings to the team so that they can work together and enhance you know, the, the outcome. So it's the, the best functional outcome uh, for the client. So they are discharged home, you know, usually in a, in a better condition. Well, you know, in our last segment, uh, Mary, when I was talking with uh, Chris Bradbury, who's a student, a nursing student here, and he was explaining about that, that even when you're going through the simulation program, uh, he's learning then that he's not alone. He may be the one at the bedside there, but he's he's interacting with other professionals. He may call on others to say, hey, I, this is presenting. How do I deal with this? Uh, there's a dialogue that goes on there. They're, they're learning that teamwork aspect, aren't they? Yeah, it's embedded throughout most of the curriculums, but what our event focuses on is bringing them together for a half a day. Um, and the premise is, is that they learn together about what each other's role is, and the eventual outcome is uh, patient safety. There's research that demonstrates that um, teams that work better or work together, they understand each other's role, they collaborate together, that patient outcomes are better, there's lower infection rates. Um, um, earlier discharge rates so there really is a benefit to the patients and that's uh, one of our partnership is with Hamilton Health Sciences as well and they're really interested in seeing if there's a different graduate that uh, comes out of our program now that they're all going to be part of the interprofessional uh, event that they've learned about one another they've gone through simulations um, together to understand each other's role and how this is going to impact patient safety and outcomes when they are graduates working at Hamilton Health Sciences. And you're going to experience that if you're, you or a loved one ever become a patient in one of these facilities mm -hmm. uh, firsthand exactly what goes on. And, and again, I don't want to harken back to my medical history too much, but when I had my last knee replacement uh, at Jurovinsky Hospital at that time, Brooke, uh, and, and during my time, I was in the hospital for three or four days after the surgery, of course. Obviously, the surgeon who performed it was there. The nursing staff were there. There was a physiotherapist. There was a dietitian. I don't know what they were doing there. Uh, but no, I mean, but it, there was a team, about six or seven different people. Hi, Bill. I'm so-and-so, and I'm going to be looking after this aspect of it. Uh, a clinologist who was looking after this. They did blood work. Somebody who was doing the analysis of this. And on and on it goes. Somebody that was working about infection specialties and things like this. And you don't realize that, that when you're, you're going Going into a facility like this, and maybe this is reassuring, I guess, to people that, that who have loved ones that go into this, there's a whole team of people around mm -hmm. that hospital mm -hmm. that are looking after that individual. Yep, and certainly that's what we're trying to instill in, in our Mohawk graduates, is that they get that real-world experience where here through simulation they get a chance to collaborate with each other, to practice communication, to understand each other's roles so that the care that's provided to the client is more efficient. Um, and so through simulation, all the students get to appreciate each other's roles and what they bring to the team. 
So I think, you know, there, there's it's 700 students. It's all programs through Mohawk College. And um, I think even, even after they've experienced the event, it's just a real sort of uh, realization in terms of what the, the strength of the team really brings to, to the whole aspect, you know, both to the patient, to the family, and to, to the unit themselves, the hospital itself. Uh, it's, it's such a, a value, you know, when in uh, communication and, you know, that sort of uh, care is, you know, coordinated amongst so many. So how do you coordinate an event like this, Mary? How do you, how do you get everybody, uh, those 700, to, to have that experience and walk away saying, wow, that was great? Yeah, and and this no is no small task. No, no, and this is our second year for doing it. Our first year last year we so you had got a, it nailed now. Well, we're getting there. Last year we had <laughs> we a, feed them. <laughs> we, you know, we offer food incentive. We had 350 students last year. Um, it was our pilot, and all of the programs came on board this year. It's a it's a requirement, mandatory uh, event that all students in the health science programs have to attend in order to graduate. So we have the buy-in from all the coordinators, all the programs. We have buy-in from our eight associate dean and as well as our BPA and our, and our dean. So we truly value the experience. Um, we have an event coordinator that works with us, and last year there certain were a lot of lessons learned that we've taken forward. Um, we've done uh, a qualitative research study on our project as well, so we found um, really what students learned and what they gained from the event, so we're continuing to build on that. How do you how do you find that feedback? Is there an immediate response from uh, from the participants? Well, we do an, an online survey. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we're, we're at the convention center this year. It's a four and a half hour event. We've got a panel set up from Hamilton Health Sciences of health uh, care professionals that are going to come and talk to the students. The students will be in groups of 10. We're mixing up all the disciplines. So we have 13 programs in our school of health. So there'll be different students from each program. So you're going to break tables. 700 down into workable numbers. Yep. Into groups of 10. Yeah. And we have uh, 70 faculty uh, partners in our community, health professionals that have volunteered to facilitate. We need a facilitator at each of the tables. So what the groups are going to do, they're going to watch a, a video that we've uh, videotaped, uh, so a simulation, and they will talk about what roles they saw, how the team functioned, how they collaborated, um, and they'll have a discussion amongst uh, other health, uh, the other professionals within the group. So they really get a sense of, um, you know, they can see sort of behind the scenes because, as you said, Bill, you really don't know what goes on until you're a part of it. Yeah. And a lot of the disciplines may be fairly isolated in in where they are in the hospital or perhaps their role. Say pharmacy, they tend to be somewhat isolated. But this allows the students to see, hey, this is what a nurse does, or hey, this is what a CVT does. Um, I didn't know they did that. So by understanding the role, it helps them with their collaboration, and in future they will be a, a truly a better functioning team as healthcare professionals. Well, the, the educational aspect of it, I think, is so important, though, Burke, when you look at this, because uh, I said the patient may not be aware of this, but as you mentioned, some of the staff may not be aware of the support mm-hmm. services that are available, but they're there nonetheless. And, and for every action that goes on in a healthcare facility, those people spring into action. I mean, there are people in the lab that are that are monitoring what's going on with you. I mean, you may not be aware of that. Maybe you know somebody else that's out looking after your care, the physiotherapist. Well, you probably would be, but but most mm-hmm. others would not. To, to, so to have that knowledge has got to be, I, I think, a key part of providing that service. Mm-hmm. To know that you've got somebody's got your back and they've got those support services. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're very lucky too, in, in that our community embraces. So as Mary said, we have 70. Uh, partners, so community partners from Hamilton Health Sciences, from St. Joe's, right across sort of Hamilton, Wentworth, Niagara, and Brant, and Halton, 
who volunteer their time for that morning as facilitators to um, you know run help run the student groups and and bring in their sort of experiences uh, and their current practice so that you know the students are getting that opportunity to also network with what's happening you know within their community around interprofessionalism so we're really really fortunate that you know so many volunteers not only our faculty but our community partners like Hamilton Health Sciences have really invested their time uh, you know to come out and support and help the students understand we've broadened the, the discussion Mary about healthcare and healthcare providing in the last little while and, and invariably I, I maybe a lot of the focus of our discussion this morning has focused on primary care in other words what may go in in a hospital setting mm-hmm. but uh, but obviously if you're going to get into nursing and healthcare care provision uh, there's so much more. There's there's after hospital. There's uh, there's long-term care facilities. There's uh, there's geriatric care facilities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You you've got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, yeah, and uh, again from last year, we um, developed a new video scenario to to expand out into the community, recognizing that. So we have one of our scenarios where a patient with breast cancer is in the community. She's coming in to receive services. And that allowed us to include uh, healthcare professionals that you may not necessarily see within the hospital, but in the community to see what their role is in in helping a patient manage at home. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, We tend sometimes in healthcare to focus on what's going on in the hospital, but really um, we need to look out and beyond because the community is where we want our patients to be. They recover better and uh, they need that support to be out there. So we but oftentimes the people that you're going to be working with in this scenario, the students who are going to be the professionals of tomorrow, mm-hmm. if they're aware of that, that's even better for the patient because oftentimes that individual, whether it may be a home care uh, provider, mm-hmm. uh, it could be somebody doing physiotherapy, mm-hmm. uh, they're the portal for those. You know, mm-hmm. Have you ever thought of calling so-and-so? They might be able to help you. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you have that knowledge, then all of a sudden then I'm, I, I've got that knowledge and then that might be the solution to a problem I'm facing. Yeah. Well, and it also um, this scenario has allowed us to see the importance of family and uh, the support that we need to provide as family. When you have a patient, they always have a family, so they need to be in that circle of care as well. So we've tried to expand and in- include that, help uh, students with their communication, uh, supporting and strengthening families in difficult situations. So, you know, we're hoping that we've sort of captured it all, but... We'll see after November 25th uh, what changes need to be moving forward for next year. But we're also um, expanding to uh, not only for our health uh, or science students, but as a college-wide initiative, and I don't know whether Laurie or Paul want to talk to that, to uh, talk more about inter in interprofessional collaboration. So Brooke and I are uh, going to be forming a committee and looking at how we can help the college with perhaps uh, moving forward with that. Um, uh, Whether it's working on projects uh, with different disciplines within the college. Um, Got lots of ideas but you know obviously it's important that our students graduate being ready to be part of a team and, and work as a team. But Paul this all goes back again to that mantra of being future ready. And, and preparing uh, the students that are going through this course and all the courses at Mohawk uh, to be ready to, to hit the ground running. Uh, and, and, and I don't want to say when they finish their academic aspects of this because, first of all, healthcare is, is there's no end to it. I mean, it's ever, you're always learning. 
uh, whether you've been a doctor for 30 years or a nurse for 25 years or, or you're just your first day on the job in a real, in a real hospital situation like that, uh, the learning never stops. But because of that, uh, so does the innovation. I mean, you have to be one step ahead of that, and that's what you're doing here. Yeah, so I, I would say that when, when people leave, if they've achieved three things, so they're as ready as they possibly can be technically, I think that's really important. Hopefully they have appreciated just exactly what you said, Bill, is that learning is going to go on for life. So they've appreciated how important it is to continue learning and then how important it is to work with, with other people. That you know you need to maximize people's knowledge, maximize their skill sets. One person is not nearly as strong and will not deliver the best outcomes as compared to what a team can do. Uh, but it's that really it's the appreciation for knowing that them graduating from Mohawk uh, and moving into whatever field they choose is uh, really a big step. But it's the first step in what's going to be an ongoing evolution of their own learning for the rest of the time that they're in they're in a professional setting. Uh- I, I want to thank all of you. First of all, congratulations on the great work that you guys have done, Mary and, and Brooke, and uh, good luck with the conference this year. I hope it goes swimmingly well. 350 last year, 700 this year, maybe 1,000 next year. Right? Easy. Easy peasy for you guys. I uh, hope it goes great. Uh, to everyone else here, Paul, Laurie, and, and everyone that you've introduced us to this morning, this has been an incredible experience, uh, an eye-opening experience, I think, for, for a lot of us, for me certainly, and for our listeners. Thanks so much for working with, uh, with us to set this up. It's been a real pleasure to, 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 to bring this message, and, and a great message, I think, about what's going on at Mohawk. I, I would just say, Bill, I hope that your listeners you know, have a, an appreciation for how many people in their community um, want to support them in their health care needs and the prevention of health care. We have world-class hospitals, we have world-class university and college filled with dedicated staff, faculty that all have one vision and that's about how do we make the people of our community stay healthy and when they're not, how are we going to get them back on that path. So I hope that I hope that's a message that's been a takeaway and we can't do it alone. We have incredibly strong partnerships. We have incredible, incredible strong leaders within all these institutions. And I can tell you, I'm exceptionally proud of the people here at Mohawk for the leadership and the innovation and the support they give to making this the best possible community on all fronts. As you should be. Thanks again. Great to have you guys with us and great to be here today. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.